Welcome, everybody, to episode number 22 of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I am Brian Goulet. And I am Drew Brown. Yeah, you are. And we are here from Goulet Pens to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show, where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show, we're going to be talking about Fountain Pen Day, writing with the nibs flipped upside down, and what pens that we would buy first if we had to start all over again. Love love these hypotheticals with making decisions about the thousands of pens we've used and having to pick one. Just it's just my favorite. It is. You're Absolutely so good at love it. Too. it. Yeah, yeah. Just thank you for picking that one, Drew. Um, but before we get into all the normal stuff, uh, today is Fountain Pen Day, as of when this is publishing, at least. Um, so yeah, Fountain Pen Day. If you're not familiar with it, it's a sort of unofficial holiday we made it official in the pen community it's not like registered anywhere i don't think we just kind of not like yet said, we're gonna start celebrating fountain pen day um so it started back in 2012 so i guess this would make that the the ninth one it's the 10th it's the 10th anniversary 10th anniversary 10th anniversary yep um it Has is it, uh would it be uh, the 10th anniversary it started in 2011 am i off on my years you're probably off on your years because I'm certain that on the Fountain Pen Day Instagram, they are promoting it as the 10-year anniversary. They've got wow. special signage and swag wow. denoting the anniversary itself. I can't believe it's been that long. That's kind of amazing. Yes. Uno decade. Well, there you go. Um, so anyway, it's, uh, it's a community-built holiday, and uh, it's celebrated the first Friday of November every year, which is today and uh it is designed to celebrate it well sorry it, i don't even know what i'm trying to say i can't lead into this properly why don't i just read what i wrote um it's celebrated by enthusiasts worldwide as a time to embrace promote and share the use of fountain pens so uh you know it's something that's kind of grown over time it started out as like hey just like tell other people about fountain pens i guess you know it's literally just like hey we have this concept of celebrating fountain pens and it's kind of like grown into sort of something over time um it's thing where like a lot of suppliers will often have some kind of giveaways or promotions or you know sales or things like that we've participated in it to varying degrees over the year uh over the years and um this year we are not doing a whole lot to actively participate in it partly because we have capacity issues and supply issues and all kinds of things um which is i guess not also all that uncommon because i'm not seeing a whole ton of other people doing a lot either but you know what we can still talk about fountain pens we can still love them and share them with others so uh check out hashtag fountain pen day or hashtag fountain pen day 2021 both hashtags are getting used um you can check out the posts that are there share it on your various social platforms of of preference and uh yeah just use your fountain pens tell other people about them they're pretty cool don't know if you heard but anyway what about you drew are you doing anything special to celebrate fountain pen day no um but i will say that in just an effort to celebrate the day really do take a moment to get on Instagram, get on Facebook and follow these hashtags because a lot of people in the fountain pen community, while they are a part of this wonderful community, there are a lot of users that are the one person in their little friend circle that 
does this hobby. And it might feel sometimes like you are alone in that hobby or that no one really understands why you spend what you spend on your pens or why you mm. like the pen, like your pens as much as you do, but we get it. And there are so many other people that get it too. So I think that the easiest way to celebrate is to just surround yourself, even digitally, with these people that are sharing your experiences and people that do get it. So do that today. Well said. I think we all end up having to recruit other people in our lives into our little fountain pen universe. So we're not that one, like one weird pen person in our office or at our school or in our family. Um, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But hey, I don't know. I, I, I've found value in recruiting other people into it. So why not share that love? That's what we're Absolutely. here to celebrate today. And uh, we're going to celebrate in our own special way by kind of random, aimlessly rambling about fountain pens for the next hour and a half or so. Um, so yeah, we've got another, another pen cast here for you. 22, if you like, you know, round numbers and palindromes, technically. Though we name it with, we, we number ours like with three digits. So 022, I guess that wouldn't, that wouldn't be a palindrome, unfortunately. But what are you going to do? All right, moving on. Let's talk about, I don't know, I don't know what you have to say about that, Drew, nothing. No. Your face is just like, shut up, Brian. Let's go to the next segment. <laughs> feedback. Let's, start Let's talk about some feedback. Let's start feedback. Uh, well, Daniel mentioned, Brian, uh, when we were talking about how there was a young student using fountain pens and his fellow students could not really understand why he was into fountain pens. We talked about how other similar things uh, like using a automatic, sorry, using a manual transmission car was kind of like a similar hobby, you know, connecting you to an experience that you could otherwise do more simply and more easily. And Daniel uh, agreed with that. And he said, I love Drew's analogy about transmissions. I've been driving manual transmission cars for 40 years. First car was a three, three on three, three on tree. I don't know what that means. Sorry, Daniel. Uh, last car is a six on the floor. You got it. Uh, baking my own bread for 35 years, which is another analogy that I used about sure you can buy it but it connects you to the experience more to do it so this guy's doing them both but then he takes it one step further and says brewing his own beer for 30 years wow so and then also he finishes it off saying by the way i've been a fountain pen user for over 40 years still have my first parker 45 purchased new in 1971 so daniel has all of this going and again i'm sure daniel will agree with me he doesn't have to brew his own beer he doesn't have to bake his own bread in fact it's a huge pain in the butt sometimes, and it's probably led him to some major frustrations and probably a pretty penny or two. But mm. it connects him to that experience, and I think that that is where the value lies, that connection, and uh, fountain pens are no exception. So that's a beautiful thing. Thank you for sharing that, Daniel. Uh, Marie has great insight into why, Brian, the Lamy Dialogue CC was named the CC. Remember, we mm-hmm. couldn't, we didn't know. We're like, I don't know what the CC stands for. Well, Maria figured it out. She says, I bet CC stands for condensed conversation, as in short dialogue. Condensed conversation equals short dialogue. And it is a shorter version of the Lamy dialogue, right? I mean, it's sure. brilliant. That let's go with that. I don't know. Let's. I'd- I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> Condensed conversation is the same thing as saying a short dialogue. Hmm. Ha! Why would you just call it like the SD though? The short dialogue. I don't know. 
Why you gotta go changing up the words? Maria did something very clever, Brian. Hey, Marie, props to you. you you're more creative than I was. But Thank you. Yes, could, good job, Marie. We'll never know unless we ask and they tell us. But I'm pretty sure no, we've no. asked, and I don't think they I'm, had a firm answer. I'm going with condensed conversation, short dialogue. Love it. There you go. Glenn on YouTube uh, reminded me, because I described Brian as if he were an ink. I created Brian Blue Lay, and it had all sorts of various attributes. <laughs> And one attribute that I neglected to describe was the fact that the Brian Blue Lay ink would not perform well in humid conditions. Because, uh, I mean, as we know well... What are you trying to say there? I'm saying that sometimes under humid conditions, you start taking pictures of the inside of your cargo shorts, Brian. It, it, oh. You, you don't function well in humid, hot environments. I mean... I wouldn't say I don't perform well in human conditions. I know it's not a personal attack. It's it's just it, it feels there personal. Are, it there feels are personal. side there, <laughs> there are side effects. <laughs> yeah, you have a long and storied history with humidity on this podcast, Brian. I, would, you, I, I would, have I have not shared any of this with our listeners and viewers. This is all from you, okay, Daniel? I can't, I can't uh, no, sorry, that. Glenn's just picking up what you're putting down, bro. I would say like. Uh, <laughs> Uh, will will not will never dry in humid conditions. There we go. Like okay, like, <laughs> it's a very dry time wet. is greatly extended in humid conditions. There we go. That would well. be okay. that would be yeah, No one no one's questioning your performance. We know you can <laughs> get out there and dig holes just as well in humid environments. I can. Yes. Um, and we got some critical feedback, Brian. Ooh, I love critical yes. feedback. I published I published a slice, which is a you know truncated little section of a Q&A segment. This one was about the best browns, where I talked about my favorite brown mm. pens and brown inks. BC says, too much facial expressions. Ooh. Mm. Right, so Drew. I don't know if this was me making facial expressions while I was talking about my favorite browns, because I get excited about that, or it was hmm. your facial expressions reacting to my best browns, Brian. Ooh. Either way... We need to dial it back. So, we serious. We need to dial it back. I don't. Well, I think I, both it, of us. It, he did not specify. Wasn't uh, it on so, yours? But, well, I guess. Oh, I guess. I guess we both would have been on that recording. Huh? You were. Mm-hmm. You were leading the response on that question. But how many? Com- how many facial expressions can I really make while I'm talking? I think that perhaps oh, have you, you might have been reacting. Have you, you seen yourself? <laughs> Have you watched your face? Have you looked at your face? I have. Uh, I guess no, you're not sure. often looking at your face while you're talking. That would be a little weird. I don't where know. Where am I where else that. am I gonna practice? Yeah, sure uh, I do. I don't know. Um no, don't so you I like look those... in the monitor, don't you? Aren't you like staring at yourself while you there's one not... YouTube there's one YouTuber not in the fountain pen world, um, but he's like a homesteader, home repair so I've watched like random videos. He always looks in his viewfinder stares right in his viewfinder as he's talking and it's just like it always like you know from the office where jim is looking at dwight's like forehead yeah and it's just it's like, slightly off he's like look at my eye line you know yeah. it's like that but it's his whole video is like that and i'm like dude you're just like making me crazy you're just like it's like he's looking at my ear or something yeah and just oh, so weird <laughs> is my hair messed up nice so okay I but then keep, i try to keep that in mind when we do these recordings i try nice. I'm like it's not natural for me to stare into this like giant black hole in the middle of the lens but like that's where i want to look because that's where that's you where all people are, are looking at. it looks like eye contact come that's on right. people if you're recording a video just look in the lens that's all you got to do Anyway, um, I will uh, make absolutely zero effort to correct my facial expressions. 
it's just stuck that way. Anyway, another person said uh, about these slices, Brian, that, uh, oh, I love these nuggets. These nuggets? Yes, nuggets. Nuggets are often one of the words that you use when you write things down. I, I'm not going to officially, I'm not going to fill out a, you know, you know, uh, proposition and submit it to the CEO, but mm. I, I do think that Q&A nugget has a nice ring to it. Mm. I think it needs, it needs some sort of, you know, identifier before the word nugget. So it would have to be something nugget. Q&A nugget, just like we say Q&A slices. Ah, see, that's too many, that's too many syllables. It's got to be like blank nugget. So you want to add syllables? No, Q&A is, is too long. Oh, Q, you're replacing Q&A. Q&A. I see. Yeah, okay. Q, Q&A. Yeah. Mm. All right, know. we'll work on that. We'll workshop that one a little bit. Yeah. While I think about that, why don't you share some feedback on your I th- end? I think I will. I'll start off with a uh, little bit of feedback, a little nugget of feedback from Lucy. Oh. Um, you'll have to explain this on to me, Drew, because you put this in here. She said, congrats on what would be Q&A number 300. So Q&A 283, 283 episodes of Q&A, because that's how many I did with that, with 284 being the first pen cast. Yeah, because we've been doing Q&A segments in every pen cast. So she uh-huh. added the number of pencast episodes to the number mm-hmm. of Q&A episodes. So you but, have but that math doesn't done, work out. That I've done you've over done 300. Well, now you have because yeah. you add you add 22 to 283 and she's congratulating you for reaching that milestone. Oh, for for re- for crossing over 300. Okay. Yeah. I thought this was like pulled from the last video and it's like congrats on number 300. I'm like 283 plus 21 is greater I, than 300. From, yeah, she said this on the last episode. Okay. So we had we had already surpassed 300 by that point technically. Probably, yeah. Yeah. But still, you've done 300 Q&A sessions, Woo-hoo! Brian. Yay. You know what? You deserve a you know me. sausage you... sausage wrapped on a pancake on a stick. That's what you um, need. So follow up on that, not to jump ahead <laughs> on our personal topics. Uh, but El- Ellie, my daughter, um, right. has partaken in she 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 heard word of mouth, word got around the house that mm. these little pancake sausage corn dog things were all the rage. Um, oh. And Joseph introduced her to them, and now they both are are big fans. Big fans of the sausage pancake thing, I believe. Um, while I was uh, while I was out of town, which I'll get to in a minute, um, that was their dinner one night. Was Rachel just couldn't even with the kids, and they nice. had that for dinner, and they loved it and thought it was the greatest thing ever. Yes. So, uh, once again, Drew, you have influenced my family in a negative way, health wise. It's, it's better than <laughs> better than having them eat dots because they know I hate it. They do still love dots, though. I will. <sighs> No, that that wasn't the choice Halloween candy this year. We're jumping ahead of the personal stuff. I'm going to get past this. We'll, we'll talk about all this later. Um, okay. So another piece of feedback. This is from Benjamin. The cookbook suggestion, get loose leaf Tomoe River and then put into plastic page sleeves. Then you can coordinate your color to the recipe. That would work if Tomoe River was not like on the outs. So getting loose leaf Tomoe River is going to be harder and harder to find. But I'll say you can do that with, um, I mean, pretty any much paper. any and loose leaf yeah. paper. Yeah. Um, you can just use like a nice laser jet paper, like the HP Premium laser jet is really good. Or um, uh, Clairefontaine Triumph is pretty phenomenal. That's awesome paper. Bright white, though. So 
definitely want to put that in a sleeve of some kind. Those little like divider sleeves like you get for a notebook, those work really well. In fact, I've used those for the kids when we have like a chore chart or, you know, something like that. You know, you can print it out and you can put it in one of those little sleeves and you can run on it in a whiteboard marker and then you can just erase it. You don't have to keep printing out the same sheet every week. Little parenting hack there for you. Hmm. All right. Uh, and then Vincent says regarding a Kaweco, 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 I always say it wrong, but that's okay. Uh, piston filler, Michael. Oh my gosh, Drew, you're going to have to help me with this last name. Let's just say it's Michael from Germany. Gutberlet. Gutber <laughs> you would think being so close to the way my name is spelled that I would know how to say it, but I don't. Anyway, Michael, uh, Kaweco's CEO, said recently in a video interview um, that the Sport Piston Fillers will be released next year. Three versions of it, the AL Classic and Acrylic. And apparently these were available in the 60s or something. I've never seen them or heard about them. It's unverified about this thing. We could not find this interview. We were just told that this interview happened. So I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be a globally available thing. Who knows if we'll see it. I have no idea what the price or anything or if it even exists. Maybe it's completely made up. All depends on how much you trust Vincent. I'm inclined to say, you know, trust but verify. But I wasn't able to verify. So I don't know where that leaves us. So well, I guess we'll just be waiting in anticipation for next year to see what happens. With the well, piston filler. Yeah. Cool. All right. New stuff. Let's talk about some new pen products. Now, granted, we took off last week from our regular format of the pen cast here. We did fill it in with an all Q&A episode because I was out of town. Um, so that was kind of fun to get that done in advance. Um, so the new things that we have coming soon, both of the ones that I have have already sold out. <laughs> So that's what happens when we have things delayed just a little bit. But uh, the first one we have is the Tatcha Winter Breath. And that is pretty awesome. And part of the reason we sold out is because I took one for myself. <gasps> so this is part of what is the benefit of being the owner of a pen company is you get first pick of whatever pens are coming out. Um, so here we go. I'll show you just what it is. Um, so it's a it's a Machia Rodden pen with eggshell as well. So it's Tatia, comes in this cool wooden box, which I love me some wood boxes. And they have some nice packaging here. It's a limited edition pen. This particular one is exclusive to us. They've had a different variant of it before, slightly different design um, at other retailers, but this is our first time having it. So it's got this cool little pen wrap thing, which is pretty neat. This is something that Tatia is doing more and more, I believe. And the winter breath is pretty dang gorgeous. Mm. So it is these nice little strips of um, abalone shell that wrap around the pen with eggshell just all up and around it. It's a pretty good size. It's like a, uh, I'm trying to think of a comparable size, like Namiki Yukari Royale size, if you're familiar with that one at all. And then it's got the, the eggshell on the grip too, which I just think is it's an awesome touch. So obviously that eggshell is made to look like, you know, snow or frost or something like that. Um, it's all really smooth too. So it's, it's Yurushi lacquer, um, rodden, and then this eggshell, which I don't know the official Japanese technique for the eggshell, but Renkaku. Certain Renkaku. That's what it is. Yes. Thank you, Drew. You're welcome. Um, gorgeous pen. I mean, 
stupid gorgeous. Um, the nibs are made by Sailor Japan. Uh, my particular one is an extra fine. Uh, so it's going to be quite extra fine because that's how they roll. And yeah, gorgeous pen. So we sold out of the initial batch. We are going to be getting more at the end of November. So if you are hot on this pen, it is, an, it is, an, uh, it is a pen that is a an investment. So you may want to save up your your eggshells for this one. Um, but I would recommend that you sign up for the email list if you're still interested. You have a few weeks to think about it and sell your sofa and your car and then you can get this pen because it's worth it because it's awesome. Um, we're not going to get a whole ton of them, more of them, but I would anticipate that, I don't know, they sold out really quick, like a couple days, I think, in this first batch. So I don't know how long the second batch is going to last, but there's only 18 total. So not a lot of them, but man, does it look cool. Uh, and then the other pen that I have is also expensive and also <laughs> sold out, <laughs> but we're getting more. Um, the Homo sapiens Ember. So Homo sapiens, classic pen, love that format of pen, but the material is really cool. So Drew, you and I years ago saw a similar type of material that was called lightning strike, I believe. Yeah, lightning strike carbon fiber. Yeah, so it's like carbon fiber with um, a weave pattern to it, and it's got this copper inlay basically woven in with the carbon fiber. Apparently, it's pretty hard to do, pretty rare, and very difficult to make pens out of. Um, I believe the ones that we had seen previously like that were like not a material made for the pen world. It was like more of a custom pen kind of thing that was... It was definitely a small uh, maker. Small, it was, this small this batch, is definitely yeah. the first time we've seen them produced by a large by, company. Yeah, by like a, a global pen company, if you want to call it yeah. that. Um, so this is pretty cool. I don't know if it's the exact same material as what's been known as a lightning strike, but it's that similar effect. And I don't know. I just think it looks really dang cool. Like my my still my favorite probably... If I had to say it, my favorite Homo sapiens would be the classic, you know, just the black one with the the, um, the bronze trim. So it looks, it's got that similar kind of, you know, pairing with the contrast of the dark and the kind of coppery, bronzy kind of color. I think it just looks really cool. So really, really neat. I can imagine it's very difficult to make a Homo sapiens out of the material, which is why, you know, your the MSRP on that is just under two grand. So it's around 1600 or so. Street price uh, looks really cool. They are all out right now, but we are going to be getting more. I don't know exactly when, but soon-ish, probably. Again, so, wait list is your friend. Yes, it is indeed. And Drew, you got some new stuff to talk about. I do have some new stuff, Brian. We also, from Visconti, got in a new Van Gogh to the Van Gogh collection of hey fountain pens. That's always exciting. And recently, with a new Van Gogh launch, they've been packaging packaging them in a gift set of sorts, in a beautiful mm-hmm. little box with the Van Gogh artwork and a matching bottle of ink. In this case, it is the Novel Reader from mm-hmm. Vincent Van Gogh. And it is a beautiful, beautiful green pen with the signature depth in the resin that the Visconti Van Gogh has become known for. It's one of those pens, like the rest of the Van Goghs, that you could really just stare at for a really long time Mm. and get lost in the depth of the material. It's one of my favorite pens. The facets also give the pen a bit of, uh, you know, highlight, and it's just a stunning pen. And for those green lovers out there, this uh, may have been the pen they were waiting for. So that was really exciting to see. And Brian, I got a chance last week to actually look at St. Dupont's Space Odyssey pens, mm-hmm. and 
If you haven't seen those on the website, please go look at them. They're probably not going to be in your price range. This isn't the type of pen that you're just kind of casually, okay, sure, let me pick one of those up real quick. But man, <laughs> are they, <laughs> yeah, not, not, not exactly a gum at checkout, but uh, man, are they crazy looking. And I will say, Brian, I think that the collector set, the big daddy of them all, mm-hmm. is probably the heaviest package we have ever had the opportunity to ship. You think so? I, it was like 25 pounds. Get out of here! Um, no, I don't. I don't think that the Seven Gods set was this heavy. Wow the the Namiki Seven Gods set from like what twenty nineteen, um, twenty eighteen. Yeah, yeah. Th- like that's the only thing I can think of that might have rivaled this. Like it it was strenuous to lift. Like <laughs> it's it's epic. It was wow a gigantic gigantic package. I mean, so I don't know. Sometimes you associate like weight with like quality or price <laughs> i know it's not necessarily how it is with pens but you know you feel like you're getting your money's worth of a 25 pound pen <laughs> I, I i think about some of the packages that i've received over the years like i moved into a new house last year and i'm like i'm not sure some of my furniture was this heavy like i think that my bookshelf was lighter than this thing man it was not really but it's heavy <laughs> might, so might, might say something more about your taste in furniture than it does about oh the yeah pen. <laughs> yeah well ikea anyway check it out it's a very very wild entertaining pen to look at yeah and then finally rounding it out i just wanted to remind everybody that during the holiday season as we have done in years past we are running a special with yaffa brands and yaffa is the company that supplies the united states with brands like conklin monteverde paniter stipula um uh, a mayora natuno yookers diplomat Diplomat and Tibaldi. Mm-hmm. So if you buy any of those brands from us, you are going to have the opportunity to get a free bottle of Private Reserve ink of your choosing. Not a full exhaustive list, but you will have some options available to you. So mm-hmm. some of these pens are like less than $50. So definitely worth it. So it's oh, yeah. a great deal. Great way to pick up a gift and an ink. Great way to pick up a gift and keep some ink for yourself. But Either way, it's a good deal. So check it out. It's going to be running uh, for a little while, but why wait? The gift that keeps on giving to you. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's what, yeah, it's like, you know, might as well buy one for my friend, but, uh, you know, a little it's like incentive. When you buy, it's like when you get like a gift card, you know, and then there's like a, you know, buy $50 gift card, get a free $10 gift card with it. You're like, I'm just going to like pocket that one it's, and give it's this a one re- to my family. You're being rewarded for your <laughs> generosity. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. And that's new stuff. Good stuff, Drew. Thank you very much. All right. Q&A. We got uh, five Q&A questions for you today. No deep dives, I promise. We're going to keep it light and breezy, topical, and concise. Well, well, well. (laughs) Despite what we set up at the beginning of the pencast. (laughs) Extemporaneous and superfluous and all that. It'll still be all those things. But anyway, most definitely. All right, well, let's let's kick things off with Eva Buck X, and uh, Eva asks, "What is the difference between the Schmidt and Yovo nibs?" This is a tough question, Brian. <laughs> Thanks for putting this one in, Drew, right at the top, because I don't have I don't have a great answer. Neither um, did I. But but yeah. in my opinion, if I see something put, that I, you didn't even put any notes in here, you just left me hanging out. I there. have no idea. 
But okay. I thought this was a great question because I'm like, man, that that's that, this is a very this is a very enticing. Like, I want to know the answer to this. Yeah, but we well, can at least so, dis- okay. let's discuss it. What, what what do you have? What do we let's have to discuss. go on here? Let's discuss. I'm a, you know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, right? Like, so um, so here's how it works, right? So there are some fountain pen companies that that make their own nibs, right? Pilot, Aurora, Sailor. Lamy, you know that they're known for having their own kind of proprietary nib. They don't swap on other pens. It's their own deal. Other pens have ones that use nibs that are made by another manufacturer. Argoulet nibs come from Yovo, as one example. Um, Benu, they use nibs that come from Bach, Schmidt. I believe. Schmidt. 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 Bach. Schmidt, Bach, Yovo. Those are the big kind of German suppliers. There are other lesser known kind of secretive suppliers probably around the world, um, but not a huge number of them. So really it's the German uh, companies that are making the bulk of the nibs that are supplied to basically other pen companies, you know, the more universal type nibs. Um, And Yovo and Bach have been the ones that have been the most notable, I guess. And it kind of like changes every several years who's using the most and all that kind of stuff. We don't really have direct contacts into these companies because we're not a manufacturer. So we're not necessarily like contacting them, ordering directly through them like these pen companies would. Um, But it is interesting because we sell some brands where, yes, it is, it is, you know, labeled as Schmidt. And it's like, well, what is Schmidt? Is Schmidt a manufacturer? What is going on here? Um, So everything that I know about what I'm about to tell you is sort of unverified. <laughs> so That's fine. Take it for what it's worth. It's kind of it's almost like hearsay, but it's I don't know. Maybe I'm a maybe I'm a a source of hearsay that you may trust more. Here's my plan, Brian. You want to hear my plan? Okay. okay. Say the dumbest things you can think of, the most erroneous, mm. nonsensical things, and it's like casting okay. a line into the comment section Ooh. so that the people who are more knowledgeable than we are going to then provide our viewing public with the real answers in the comments while also admonishing our ineptitude. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, it's pretty easy because we our ineptitude is, is seemingly knows no bounds. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's, it's my understanding. Granted, I've never talked to anybody at Schmidt. It's my understanding that Schmidt is not an actually a nib manufacturer. Schmidt is a... Um, I don't know what you would call them. They're a supplier, I guess, a distributor maybe. So it's my understanding that Schmidt may source nibs from either Bach or Yovo, or maybe somebody else, I'm not sure, but I've heard Bach or Yovo. Um, And they are pairing them with feeds and housings. So they're basically kind of outsourcing the, the raw nib, the metal nib part, they're packaging it together and then they are supplying those nib units to other manufacturers. Um, most of the Schmitz and stuff I've seen have been maybe on, I don't know, call them more like boutique pen makers. Um, you know, not like huge, huge, huge brands. Cause if you're a big brand and you want to get like a stamped nib with your logo and your name on it, you're probably going to go directly to a Bach or a Yovo type nib manufacturer. So being a, I don't know, I'll call it a a reseller for lack of a better term or just a supplier. Um, It's my understanding that that's kind of where Schmidt falls. But again, this is, I don't have like heavily verified 
information around this. I could be wrong. Maybe they do make some of their own stuff. I don't know. Never seen their mm. factory, never talked to anybody at Schmidt before, but that's kind of what I've heard. But I heard it from people who are kind of like, yeah, I'm not really sure, but here's how what I think is how it works. So that's what I think. And again, this is not like a scandalous thing. I mean, look, you're getting a good quality nib. All the Schmidt nibs that we've tried have been you know, all of a quality that I would expect from a Bach or a Yovo type. So it's not yeah. like, it's not like some counterfeit or some junk nib or anything. You're getting a good quality nib. It just says Schmidt on it. And you're like, who is Schmidt? What is Schmidt? Um, so that's my understanding of how it works. Mm. Now, I think there's like, I, believe... a, I think there's a Schmidt pen out there too. I want to say. Yeah, there definitely was. Yeah. But those like, little, those little pastel ones that we looked at a couple years ago. Yeah. But like, I don't know if there's like a Schmidt factory where Schmidt makes Schmidt things mm. or if they're like having somebody else. There's this whole world. I don't know if you have ever, any of you who've ever been involved in anything that's made, it's not like one company makes everything in one factory. There's a lot of times where they're sourcing out parts and things all over the place. You can have things where you're making one part, you're outsourcing other things. Stuff gets complicated. We're in a global like manufacturing situation in 2021 where there are parts and pieces coming from all freaking over the place for every product you're buying most likely um unless you're like buying farm to table like food or something and you know that's exactly where that thing came from you're probably getting stuff sourced from all over the place um and there's no exception to that in the fountain pen world because fountain pens have a lot of little parts and pieces you know and especially if you have a smaller manufacturer you just don't have the resources to manufacture every component yourself it just doesn't make sense there's no economy there so um i think that's kind of where it falls i believe they're all german made but i legitimately can't tell you like what makes a schmidt nib different from any other nib but i know that I, we've never had complaints about them and they write pretty well so yeah i think yeah. the uh, the y studio pens that we recently picked up all have schmidt nibs on them Mm-hmm. And uh, those write marvelously. I'll, yeah. I'll just say very basically that any nib from Yovo, Bach, or Schmidt is going to write reliably. And like Brian said, there's a good possibility they, they share a lot of either the same manufacturing practices, processes, or actual machines for all we know. But mm-hmm. And there are also some major brands that alternate using both Bach and Yovo, and no one really notices. So that's yeah. probably still the, that's probably the same case with Schmidt too. Like you might yeah. have a Schmidt nib and you don't even know it. It's one of those things that kind of runs behind the scenes that doesn't get a lot of press, which probably made you ask this, thinking that we know more than we actually do. So uh, the, <laughs> the, does, the <clears throat> I was gonna say like it does the landscape changes. Like nibs are nibs are kind of hard to make, and they take a long time. And especially even before COVID hit, there were nib supply issues because there, oh, yeah. there just aren't that many companies in the grand scheme of things making nibs. So it was not uncommon to have a nine to 18 month backlog on an order of nibs. That's kind of what we've heard uh, throughout the industry. Um, and that was pre-COVID. So oftentimes you would have companies that would you know, maybe switch or they have some nibs made from one company, some from another. Sometimes you can't get, but so picky, you know, as long as the quality is good, you might have to mix and match between brands. So some might get Schmidt. I've never seen a big Schmidt nib though. I've never seen a number six size Schmidt. All the ones that I've seen have been like number five or smaller. What about the, um, what about the number six Benus? Yeah. Are those, are those Schmidt? Are they still Schmidt? I don't know if those are Schmidt or Bach. I'm doubting myself now. What do we say on the website? 
I'm pretty sure they're Schmidt because they do the whole Iridium Point Germany thing on them. They do, I huh? Was, I, thought, oh. I, thought that was a, I thought that was a Schmidt thing. Um, yeah, good question. That might be mm. the case. Intrigue. Okay, so that might be that might be the only one I can think of then that would have that Schmidt-like quality to it. Let's see, where are you at here? Oh yeah, you're right, IPG. Yep. Okay. Actually, okay. it says it says Schmidt on it. Doesn't it says it? Schmidt on it. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. All right. All right. Look at you. You're knowing more than me. <laughs> the day has come. I guess I should retire. I've passed my. I've passed my usefulness. <laughs> and that was the day the Goulet Pen Company started plummeting into obscurity. Yep. It's been a been a good run, everybody. I'll oh, see gosh. you later. I'm out. No, this good stuff. <laughs> All right, today the Droulet Pen Company is going to start selling trampolines and water balloons. Oh, he's back. Oh, darn it. Were you there goes my, there, there goes did, my 15 minutes. Why did you just assume that you took things over now? Because I came up with the Droulet Pen Company. It sounded very marketable. That that sounds like sounds like you're trying to capitalize on something that's well, already, already a good thing. <laughs> you work know. with what you got. That sounds like, that sounds like a... a, a like a generic cereal name that you see. Oh yeah, like Tastios or Magic something. Stars. Yeah, exactly. We had we had Coco Moochies when I was a kid. Instead of like the, it, was, it was it was Cocoa Puffs, but it was like the Food Line brands, which just had a cow on it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Not exactly. Uh, Coco Moochies. You can't really go cuckoo for Coco Moochies. Coco Puffs. I never. Yeah. My, I never. Yeah. My parents never bought me any cereal that had chocolate anywhere associated with the name. My mom did every now and then. It wasn't. Yeah? It was. It was not a not an every week thing, but every now and then. Mm. You know what we would get when we would go on like a family vacation or something? We'd get those variety packs that have like the oh, little yeah. the little boxes of cereal. That those was were like fun. the best because that's when I would like get something other than cornflakes or Cheerios or Kicks. Do you remember how the boxes used to have little perforated parts where you could cut open the box and then pour the milk into the box and eat it right out? In the box? How did yes! that Yes! You could do that. They had they had perforated lines. And that was back when the bag was this kind of like wax paper bag. Not oh, like yeah, this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, So you could actually take a knife and cut along the perforated edges. Is that open not how the, they, They're not like that the little anymore? Doors. So did they change No, it? Now, now they have the stretchy bag and the, and the oh. you can't really do that. But yeah, you could eat it right out of the box. I loved doing it. That was like the best part of those little variety packs. I don't know if I ever did that, to be honest with you. Well, you haven't lived, my friend. Clearly not. I guess I never will because they don't do it that way anymore. <laughs> Dang. All right. All right. Let's move on to the question number two. Okay. Sounds good. All right. This is from Natalie Gentili. I have two regular black Lamy 2000s, one fine and one extra fine. Any practical tips to tell them apart? Good question. That um, is a good question. The Lamy 2000 does not have a lot of easily definable characteristics you know from one to another and there's no nib indicator visible on the nib when it is installed if you uninstall everything and you take it all apart you can see it but you definitely cannot do that while it is inked up so um i got a couple suggestions here for uh natalie um the the most unrealistic one that you probably won't do if you look at the stainless steel clip that says lamy um etched into one side if you had access to a local engraver you could get the nib size engraved on the opposite side probably don't want to do that but yeah technically could you could um you could simply just use one at a time and only keep one inked up you know but uh let's assume that you want to use both i know brian all right come on um this is my 
kind of over-engineered thing. If you don't want it to be super visible, you don't want to like actually put some sort of mark on the exterior and you don't want to have to open it up and actually try it to test to see if you can write with it. The spring-loaded clip, underneath the clip, it says Germany under it. Every Lamy 2000 should say that. The older ones actually, I think, say like uh, West Germany. But um, the uh, there's a little circle toward the end of the clip, right below Germany. If you wanted to cut out a tiny little piece of electrical tape, I'd say electrical tape or masking tape, not painter's tape because you want it to stay there. A tiny, tiny little bit. You could get it on the end of a toothpick and probably put it up there, set it in place. You could put a little mark under the clip. Uh, mm-hmm. it, do, it is spring-loaded, so you can get the clip pretty up there. But um, that would be a good place to put it that doesn't in any way alter the you know outward physical appearance, but something you can always check. So yeah. that would be my suggestion. It's not a bad suggestion. Not a bad suggestion. Um, so I actually am in this situation because I am a multi-Lami 2000 owner, mm. and uh, I really like to use both the extra fine and the fine. Uh, the, the hack that I came up with is I always keep my extra fine inked up with Noodler's Black. I just keep it inked up with the same black ink all the time. So I know if I have a black ink in there, that's the extra fine. Right, but that and means then, you have to write with it. So you'd find out you know, regardless of what you have inked up in there. Yeah, but I mean, usually you can look at the nib and like, I can tell on this one, I have blue ink in here, you know, so you can all, you can sometimes tell, or you can just look in the ink window. You know, if I have a blue versus a black, I can tell without having to, you know write with it or whatever but i mean if you have the pen you can just scribble real quick and see what color it is that's not i mean that's been that's been but you could also scribble and see the nib size uh well see that's where it maybe not because the extra fine and the fine are not drastically different with the lamy 2000 that's that's true so if you have a wet ink and an extra fine and a dry ink and a fine you may not be able to tell the difference between the two quite honestly yeah which that, that leads me sort of to my second point, which is like, who cares? Just use whatever <laughs> because they're so close in size, honestly, sometimes. My suggestion is stop caring. Yeah. So from what I understand, you know, to get the extra fine, it's it's kind of tough, and especially the way they grind them, you know, so the, the, the extra fines. And this is true with the, uh, no, sorry. Actually, I'm getting my wires crossed. I'm thinking of the steel nibs. The steel nibs, they can't. They can't use the machines to grind the extra fines as fine as they need, so they have to do it all by hand, which is why some of the extra fines can sometimes be a little less consistent than some of the other nib sizes. But that's the steel nibs. All the extra, all the, all the gold nibs are done by hand, and I've seen this done in their factory. So um, they, they do end up being close enough to where I don't think you need to sweat it all that much. I've used both, and it's not like a life-changing size difference between the two, so really just kind of use whatever and don't sweat it that much is my other option that's the least whatever least helpful least helpful and (laughs) least 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 care is given you know kind of approach which is sometimes where i'm at um but you know if you really do want to know um granted you're not going to want to do this if your pen's actually inked up probably but i have my lamy 2000 this is a little hack for those of you that don't know um so i'm going to try to do this without I think this pen is completely dried out, which is just really funny because we talk about this all the time. And uh, I have not used this pen since COVID started, and it's totally dried up with ink in it. So it's like, uh, yep, here we are. Just killing Drew here. Um, so you unscrew the, the front section here. Make sure to hold on this little retainer ring because it wants to jump out on you, and it wants to lose it. Drew's making – you're making too many faces, Drew. Too much expression. Too, too much facial expression. Um, so there you go. Oh, look how – Look how nice and nice and not NSFW. this nib is. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that I'll be able to get zoom in with this nib. Oh, wait, where are we go? I got a manual zoom mode going on here. 
So, uh, so this is a double broad, in fact. Um, but you can see the nib size is right on here. So it is technically on the nib, it's just hidden. And actually this is a great, see I totally planned this. Because the, the pen, the nib has ink on it, you can see exactly where the hood would normally cover the nib. That's totally what I was going for here. Um, so you can see that the Lamy name and the nib size and everything is completely hidden when it's got that hood over it. Um, but if you're in a desperate situation and you just have to know which nib size you're actually dealing with, you can easily pull this thing out, take a look at it, put it back. You can even do so when your pen is inky. Though, you will get ink on your fingers. Now I need to reassemble my pen. My and just be very, very ring. careful with that ring. The ring is what those little ears are attached to yes. that actually hold the clip in place. It's this is your precious right here. You, yes, for real. It is It is the one <laughs> ring. If you lose that, your lose pen's it. not going to cap properly. Your pen will and not And you can't just get another one. Ta-da. Yep. You have to buy a whole new pen. Um, there you go. Now my fingers are nice and inky, and um, I have a paper towel right here. So we'll just go with that. All right. It makes me happy when my fingers are all inky. I don't know, oh, sure. Weird. There you go. That, that right. means fun was had. All right, moving on to the next question. Um, Marcelo says or asks, what would be your first pen if you had to start your collection all over again? Oh, all right, Brian, God. all of your pens fell in to an active volcano full of magma-proof piranhas. <laughs> they're, they're gone. They're gone. You're not getting them back. You have to start Why? from scratch. Why do you need magma-proof piranhas? It's not like I would fall in to go get my pens, survive the magma, and then get eaten by piranhas. Who knows with you, man? I don't know. Okay, fair enough. You're gonna, you're with when when I enter into a hypothetical situation with Brian Goulet, he's gonna be like, "Well, can I go get him? What about this? If I have a flame-proof suit, I'm like, no, Brian, because there are flame-proof piranhas in there." <laughs> nice try, buddy. I was one step ahead of you. Mm, you got mm. me. You got me on that one. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Gotta okay. get up pretty early in the morning. Yeah. Get um, brown. So yeah, I mean, geez, uh, there's so many different ways I could go with this. I'm gonna go. I'm going to go like realistic on this one. Of course, I could say like, oh, I want a Namiki Emperor or a Homo Sapiens Ember or something like that. I'm not going to go crazy, right? Because obviously with the hindsight that I have now, knowing as deep as I've gotten into this whole fountain pen thing, yeah, I would not be afraid to invest in some really ambitious pens early on. I was much more hesitant early on because I had no idea how much pens were worth and whether you would value a $500 pen versus a $30 pen and so on and so forth. I was still learning. Now I know all these things. So I could be like, oh yeah, I'll just buy this really crazy pen because I know I'm going to enjoy it for a long time because I have done that now. Um, I'm going to go simple and I'm going to say um, a pen that I really love still and use quite a bit the Twisby Eco or Twisby 580. These pens did not exist when I first got into fountain pens. Had they existed at the time, I think it would have been such a no-brainer for me to start out with these pens. I would have enjoyed the living crud out of them and would still enjoy them today. So I think that that is probably one of the biggest ones that has like entered onto the scene since I was a fountain pen newbie that I think make for just one of the best newbie pens that are out there. So that... And I, you know, I, I waver between, because basically any, any of those Twisbees with the piston mechanism is 
pretty awesome and I love them all. But probably probably the Eco would be the way to, to go because I do like that pen. Um, and then like a little on the higher end, honestly, the way I went about it with like the Lamy 2000 Custom 74, those were like my first gold nib pens. I still love them, still use them. I regret nothing about my experience of getting into the like higher end foray of pens and they're still wonderful pens and I use them like crazy. So I would not change a thing and I would go with those. So I kind of went with like the two tier type situation because that's, I think what most people do. And uh, yeah, no regrets. I, I would probably take a similar approach. I like that. I like that a lot. I tell you what, Brian, since we used the pilot Explorer for our pen of the week, uh, and I just shot a video on the Explorer last week while you were away. Mm. I have really fallen in love with this pen. Yeah. I, I think that if I were to pick a just, okay, all my pens are gone. I tried to get Brian's out of the volcano and just oh, all of my pens just fell right out of my pockets and they're all gone. I don't know why you I was You lost all your them. pens trying to get my pens? That's I tragic. You, you try to help a brother out. So I'm, I'm, I'm expecting you to pay for my Explorer, by the way, So since, since I was trying to help you out. Anyway, I would go with the Pilot Explorer. I like, the, I have really come to be... <laughs> I think that if I were to enter a debate with somebody about whether or not the Explorer is a better starter pen than the Metropolitan, I would, could get pretty. I could get pri- pretty fired up about this, Brian. Really? I'm starting, yeah, I'm, I think I think it is superior. I think it is the better starter pen. And um, oh, 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 wow, I've got some. I've, I've got some thoughts. You know. So anyway, I would pick up a Pilot Explorer. I think mm. that it is a great writing experience. It is durable. It's everything you want in a starter pen. Fits the Con um, 70. It's not the Con... Mm-hmm. Cartridge mm-hmm. is just fine. Refillable cartridge. Anyway, mm. I would pick up one of these just so I could have a fountain pen to write with. This would be my thing. And, you know, I would eventually pick up a Pilot E95S once I, uh, you know, recovered emotionally from uh, my uh, attempted rescue in the lava piranha pit. Mm. So uh, that one... Granted, I'm a little bit in the honeymoon phase with that pen, so mm. but it's just the right size, form factor, fit. It has a ton of personality. That champagne and burgundy color scheme is just choice. Yeah. I, I really, I, I try to remove myself from the honeymoon and just think objectively. I'm like, that is still fine. So that's where I'm at right now. Fair enough. I fully support that. I think it's a fantastic pen. Doesn't fit a Con 70, though. Doesn't need to. <laughs> I love giving Con Drew a hard time 70. about it. God. Anything I can ever find that gets Drew riled up, I just poke that bear over mm-hmm. and over and over again. Yep. Love doing it. Hey, look how I look at my hairline 10 years ago earlier in the company. Look at it now. <laughs> this is 100% that guy's fault. That's right. We joked about like every time I tell a bad pun or a dad joke. He loses a hair or two. Mm-hmm. I just I, I would look like <laughs> I would look like Kurt Russell from the eighties if I didn't if I wasn't spending the last ten years with you, Brian. It'd be just wow. all luscious, nice feathered, mm. just one of those one of those good looking eighties mullets. Mm. Mm, I tell you, not like Gallagher, you know the stand up comic. No, that's a smash s- the watermelons. That, that's a that's a skullet. Ooh, that's yeah. a that's yeah. a look right there. Let me tell you, Gallagher and Hulk Hogan are the only two people that can pull that off. Yeah, yeah, and even they covered up most of the time. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway. Moving moving on from the hair, which, by the way, Drew, my my non-gel was not out of sheer laziness. There was laziness involved, 
but I intentionally went sans gel today because I thought about sometimes people comment. They're like, Brian, you should stop gelling your hair because you have hair like mink, like a 1950s dad. That's <sighs> a throwback there to a New York Times I don't need to hear. I don't need to hear about your... <laughs> mink hair brian we were just discussing if anything if anything oh you don't well i'm certainly not feeling sympathy sympathy from from over there so you can just unless you want to shave your head into a skullet in solidarity i don't want to hear it how would i look with a skullet so you would have more of the hulk hogan look and i would have more of the gallagher look I don't think that would work well for either of us. Like you got, like you got, you know, Hulk Hogan was blonde. You got the blonde thing going on. Uh, I guess so. Who knows? Sort of blonde. Are you blonde? What what is your hair color? I don't. I think. Are you blonde? blonde? My my son is blonde. My son's legit blonde. I'm not. I'm not that. I know other people with hair like yours are even darker, and they call themselves blonde. So really, yeah. Mm. I think they might just be trying to be blonde, like they're just calling themselves blonde. I distinctively am not. You just think no, 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 definitely not. All right. Anyway, now that we've covered our hair, let's talk about this question from Marcus Sang one. Will reverse writing hurt your fountain pen? And how many nib sizes will it usually differ from normal writing? Well, see, if you reverse your pen and you try and write with the back end of it, it's probably not going to be very effective on most fountain pens. There you go. I'm just kidding. Uh, for our audio <laughs> listeners, Brian has his pen turned around and is positioning it as though he were writing with the back of the actual pen body itself. Yes. Which, uh, yes, That's Marcus my, Stang, that would be ineffective. However, my, I believe Marcus butt, Stang... My smart butt answer. Yes, smart one. butt. Trying to friendly. Writing with the reverse side of your nib, Marcus, uh, won't inherently hurt the nib, um, but really unless the nib was made to do that your experience is going to be unpredictable at the very best. It could yeah. write wonderfully and you could be surprised like, oh my gosh, look at this. I have an extra fine and abroad now. Or it could not write at all because frankly, that's not what they're designed to do. There are some nib specialists that can do that for you if your particular nib has enough tipping available at the top. It really varies from manufacturer to manufacturer. They don't add tipping to the top of the nib with the intent of it being able to write, unless it is expressly made for that, which I don't know if there are any actual stock manufactured nibs with that purpose. Um, Depending on the the manufacturer, they may not have any up there at all. If you're going to do a reverse grind, you're probably going to want to start with a larger nib, and that's Mm going to inherently have more tipping material on it for that nib specialist to then work with. But... um, yeah, it's it's uh, going to be unpredictable at best. So it's something fun to try if you get a new pen, flipping it over like, oh, look at this, added bonus. But really, I wouldn't expect anything unless you're getting it custom yeah. round. The question, though, is will it hurt your fountain pen? I think it, that was the, the bulk of it. Uh, no. I don't think it will as long as you're writing with just a normal amount of pressure. Yeah. The thing is with with fountain pens, if you are writing with it normal, you've got the the metal nib on top of the feed, and any extra pressure you add is going to spring the nib away from the feed. So you have some 
some wiggle room there. The nib is going to have some resistance, obviously, and it's going to spring back to a degree as long as you're not going so far that you're surpassing the actual you know, spring back capability of the metal itself. But if you flip it over and you're writing it that way, any pressure that you're putting on it, you now have the nib backed right up to that feed. So mm -hmm. there's basically no give. So if you write with too much pressure, you can you can end up damaging that tip easier. You can either bend one of the tines, bend both the tines. You could, you know, do some some damage more if you're writing with too much pressure. So that would be like my number one tip. Kind of like what Drew said, have proper expectations is really the number one tip. But then if you flip it over, just make sure you're writing with really light pressure and not adding pressure or if it's not writing as wet as you would want, don't try to press it more to get it wetter because it's just not going to work like that when it's flipped upside down. No, that's a good point. But one thing you can do, you know, we do sell micro mesh, Drew. Um, I think if you have a pen, obviously start with a pen like a preppy or something really cheap. Um, if you want to try smoothing out the reverse side of your own nib you can do that and worst case you screw it up and you flip it back over and as long as you haven't done such irreparable damage that you yeah. end up somehow screwing up the entire tip of the nib from the reverse side you know you could try smoothing out and you're like yeah well that doesn't really work and on micro mesh it's going to be pretty hard to do like irreparable damage because it's it's kind of it's not a super, super aggressive way to do it. Um, but you could try that yourself. And worst case, you can't really use it. You flip the nib back over and you write with it like normal anyway. Best case, you end up smoothing it out a little bit and then you have a better writing reverse nib. So it is something you can try to do yourself. Obviously, with all of the caveats of anytime you're grinding or smoothing or anything on your nib, it's you're, you're exceeding the, the manufacturer's warranty. So just make sure you're, you're in full consciousness of that and willing to take on that risk um but yeah so i would say like drew said if you're ever having nib work done by a nib meister just go ahead and ask them and say hey can you make sure that this flipped over in reverse writing and write smooth too some of them will just do that naturally anyway others will do it to your specification if you if you request it but it's not really hard for them to do while they're going ahead and tuning the rest of it anyway um but yeah there you go so usually you know to, to kind of answer the second question given the um inconsistent nature of this particular it's, it's more of a hack than it is like a feature um you know it's not something that you can reliably say yes if you flip your nib over it'll write you know two nib sizes three nib sizes thinner um it's it's not anything that we can reliably or predictably say but i think we can say it's going to write thinner that 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 i've seen pretty consistent if it if it writes it's going to write thinner and usually like maybe two nib sizes, possibly three, depending the broader the nib you have, usually the greater variance you'll see, but that all depends on how that nib is shaped and stuff like that. So you'll, you'll, you'll see a difference probably. Um, and in fact, that's the situation I hear a lot of people using it is when they're, they have their medium or broad or whatever, and they use their own paper and it just gushes and it's beautiful, but then they have to write, you know, they might have like a government job or something and they use like, you know, toilet paper as the paper that they use for their forms it just absorbs all the ink Single that's where ply. they'll that's where they'll flip over the nib and they'll write with it reverse you know in just in those instances where they need to write something short and brief on somebody else's paper then they flip it back and keep going i don't know anybody that's like writing a novel by hand with the nib flipped over that's not really what i would say it's for it's more of a temporary thing when you have to write on somebody else's crappy paper boom there we go answered 
All right. Last question today, Brian, comes from ASD Hybrid, and they ask, does every ink get a sample size? Why or why not? Hmm. So I assume you're talking about our ink samples at Goulet Pens? Yeah. Let's yeah. go with that. So we are manufacturing all of those ourselves in-house. It's quite a bit of effort. We have 700 plus inks at any given time. So the answer is just about, but not always. We're not always sampling every single ink. There's a couple instances basically where it just doesn't logistically or economically make sense. But we'll try to sample just about everything that we can. The couple of instances where we won't sample it is something where it's a really limited edition and we just don't have many bottles of it. And particularly if it's like a really fancy packaging and part of the appeal of the limited of, of the ink is it's a limited nature. You're you're not getting any of that when you have a sample. You're not getting the bottle, you're not getting the packaging. You know, you're basically just getting the ink. And if we only have, I don't know, 40 bottles, does it really make sense for us to sample up two or three or four of those bottles? Not really. So we may opt not to sample something if it's of a very limited kind of collectible nature. Um, We also will not do it if it's a very small bottle size. If it's already small, like some of the Colorverse inks that only come in the small little 15 mils, um, the Diamine Ink Vent calendar, as an example, they're like 12 mil bottles. It just doesn't make sense for us to break that up, you know, especially with this, you know, that is both limited nature and it's small bottles. So that really doesn't make sense for us to do. You're essentially, you should just buy the Ink Vent calendar because you're getting a bunch of basically larger size samples anyway with that. And another uh, complication with the Colorverse is they come with a larger bottle. So if we did samples with both the larger bottle and the smaller bottle, then that means that we're going to be able to generate way more ink from the larger bottle inks than the smaller bottle inks. Yeah. And the only way to restock our smaller bottle ink samples would be to write off another box. And then we're just going to add more and more of the larger bottle inks, and we're going to end up with a massive surplus of the ink from the larger bottle. This doesn't and make sense. No, no. So, no yeah, I remember when, when we first started carrying Colorverse, all of their inks were packaged in the larger and smaller, but it was the, always the same ink. The next batch they came out with, they were mixing and matching inks. Mm. And, of course, half the time, the one that people wanted was the smaller one, like Schrodinger's Cat is like Cat. a classic example that I think of. Yep. Is... That's only in the 15 mil. You can't buy it separately. You can only buy it in the pairing. So we had to have that conversation. It was like, do we sample these? Do we, you know, like, what do we do? do like, do we charge like $10 a sample to to make up for the ridiculous waste that would come from the rest of it? Or do we like super discount the larger bottle? But then it's like, we're not, it doesn't make sense for our labor and all that. So we just opted not to do it. So basically, if we can make logistical sense of it, we will sample it. Otherwise, you know, there's there's a there's a there's a line that you cross somewhere where you're like this just makes sense to buy the bottle. So there you go. But I would say yeah, I don't know, probably 97 percent of the colors we carry will sample it. That's right. All right, that's our Q and A. Now we're onto our hypothetical, which this one came from not Drew. <laughs> this came from Sharanya on YouTube. So this was from the audience. Drew, do you want to tee this one up here? Sure. So Sharanya on YouTube says, Q&A for the next Pencast. If Mr. Goulet and Mr. Brown 
mm. had to choose not one but two pens as a family heirloom today what mm. would those be would love the thought behind them p.s the pens need not be ones that are sold at Goulet Pens, but need to be something available, i.e. not vintage or limited editions, which are difficult to procure, though you can include them in honorable mentions. So if we had to pick any mm. pen that met family heirloom status, something that will live on through the generations of Goulets and Browns, what pen is it going to be or what pens plus honorable mentions. Brian, would you like to go first or shall I? I think you can go first, though I want to say how much I appreciate Sharanya's attention to detail when asking this hypothetical because the PS portion here answers the follow-up question that you know I would have asked Oh yeah, based on the original question. So I really felt like I had everything I needed to be able to answer this hypothetical. Great job. That Great is job impressive. asking this one. That is a difficult thing to do. Well done, Sean. Yes. All right. I'm going to go with two. And originally, I did not want them both to be pilots because I wanted to have some variety, but it just kind of happened. So mm. the first one is a Namiki Chinkin pen. And mm. if you've ever seen these pens, they are Urushi lacquer pens with engraved gold-painted artwork actually in the pen. And... The reason I chose the Chinkin and not another Machier pen is because for an heirloom, I think that while Machier is stunningly beautiful and difficult to do, visually you see the painting and it looks pretty wow yay. You don't really understand at a glance how many layers the painting uh, consists of. And I think that as an heirloom, as something that can be passed down, I think that Chinkin, if you look closely, there's no mistaking the fact that this pen's design is made up entirely of small, minute engravings. And I think that Mm. for any potential grandchildren that might just see this thing, they're going to immediately say, oh my gosh, this thing is engraved. And even without any sort of context, they're going to recognize that this is a special thing. Also, Yurushi is very durable and can last a long time. They have mm. unearthed Yurushi bowls like that are still beautiful. Like this stuff can be restored very nicely. Mm-hmm. And I did not want to select a pen with an internal filling mechanism because again, longevity. I think that I, I chose pens that have removable nibs, removable feeds, and not an internal filling mechanism. Mm. Uh, one of my honorable mentions was going to be the uh, Silvern, Brian, the uh, Namiki Silvern, the Sterling Silver ones, because yeah. I love that. I think it would be super durable. However, that inlaid nib, just I, I think that that thing could get crusty over you know the course of uh, some years. If oh, it's you, uh, you know, I would get you know I would get that thing crusty. <laughs> my kids are going to inherit all my pens like with ink in them. You know, you know that's happening. <laughs> so I didn't go with that one. And then the next one was going to be a Pilot Custom Urushi in Vermilion. The Ooh. two-tone color scheme of that pen is just amazing. And that big freaking nib on that thing. Oh, my God. That is a lovely pen. And again, removable nib, removable feed. It could be restored easily if need be. Yeah, I think we all know that, you know, vintage pens with sacks and unconventional filling mechanisms, well, unconventional by these standards today, can sometimes be very, very difficult and costly and 
hard to find somebody who can restore them. So I wanted to pick something that could be easily restored, maintained, etc. And again, Urushi, super durable. But that nib is like, you look at that thing and that is, that's impressive no matter how much you know about fountain pens. And then for my honorable mentions, I considered a David Oscarson pen, which those are complete, legit, breathtaking works Mm. of art. However, it was the durability factor that turned me off of those because if you, it's basically glass, and if they can, they can crack and shatter. Essentially, I mean, uh, if, if dropped, yes, right, and they won't just like crack on their own. But yeah. no, but if you drop one of those, it's gone. And yeah. they have a lifetime warranty, but um, we're talking heirloom, and this and the heirloom nature of this might outlive Mister Oscarson himself. You never know. So. Um, it's a David Oscarson's lifetime warranty, like his lifetime. Assuming he's not a Highlander who can live multiple Which he might be. I don't know. He um, looks pretty young. He looks pretty good yeah, for his age. I got He certainly does. He certainly does. And then another honorable mention would be the Montegrappa Pirate. The Pirate pen from Montegrappa is probably my grill pen. It's stupid mm. and ugly, but I love it with every fiber of my being. <laughs> um, it's stupid and ugly. I mean, it's I cool. It's it. just, it's, it, if you compare something like that to the Chinkin, it's just, it's so over the top and it's, obnoxious. It, it jumps the, sh- it jumps the shark for absolutely, sure. Absolutely. But I love it for that. Yeah. So it's unapologetic. It super is. So I love it to death. It's like the best thing in the world, but ultimately <laughs> it didn't fit the bill for, uh, um, I think that is an internal it's, it's, piston filler. So, yeah, and it's and it's limited edition. So I yeah, oh, also yeah, there. limited edition. So that yeah. doesn't even fit. So yeah, that's me. Mm-hmm. I got my two honorable mentions and my two winners. There you go. So I Drew actually had to verify with me when he looked at my notes before we sat down to do the recording. He was like, "Did you understand the question here? Because the pins you picked were kind of super lame, like kind of not anything that special." And I was like, "Well, I went a different." I went a different direction with it. You did. You you convinced me that they were good ideas, so please share. Yes. So um, the one that I went with, I chose two. So thinking about heirloom, I'm in a different situation because both Rachel and I are Goulet pens, and we founded it. We run it together, and we have the same children. (laughs) We share children. So... I feel like anything that we would pass down would need to speak about her as much as it does about me. So I chose like one pen for me, one pen for her kind of thing. So the pen for me that I chose, though it, I, it's definitely readily available, um, but I chose the Blue Pilot Custom 74 with a medium nib. You know, ideally the very one that I have because that's a very meaningful one. It was my first gold nib pen. That pen was really not on many people's radar, but I've just talked about it so freaking much that now it's just, it's a more popular pen. Not to say that I caused that, but it didn't hurt. So I love that pen, still do. Um, And I think, you know, it's blue. My kids, I mean, literally when they make me cards for like Christmas or Father's Day or any day that has a thing where they make me a card, they draw blue pens on it. Like that's just like they, (laughs) I'm synonymous with the color blue to my own children and pens and blue pens together. They'll often do it on blue construction paper with a blue crayon. Like, I'm not joking. They go way, way into it. And I don't hate it. I'm like, I'm not like, wow, can you do a different color? I'm like, wow, you know me, I love blue. So uh, I think just that pen means so much in terms of the founding of the business and just my own coming of age in the fountain pen world. 
still love the pens. My kids already have an association with it. So I think that'd be a really cool pen to pass down. And it's a great writer too. Like, let's be honest, it's an awesome pen. So that would also be cool for them to have. And it's not like such an heirloom thing that they would never want to like use it or touch it or anything like that. I would feel like, yeah, I'll pass this on and like, y'all keep writing with it. Pass on, pass on the tradition of writing with this pen. And then maybe your children will one day make you the exact same themed birthday and father's day card for (laughs) a decade. Um, which I love not complaining. Uh, and then for Rachel, I chose the Edison premier cappuccino. So that was the first Goulet exclusive pen that we ever had was the the premiere. We had three colors of it. One that Rachel chose, one that I chose, which was blue, and one that Brian Gray chose. Brian Gray's we dropped first due to poor sales. We always give him a hard time about that. Mine was next. Rachel's has been going strong for over a decade now. And what the heck? It's still it's still a great pen. So it already has that lineage. It's got the significance of it. And she picked it. So I think that that one is very meaningful as her pen. So all still available, not limited in nature. Very meaningful. The honorable mentions that I had was, for those of you that don't know the backstory, you probably do. If you're going an hour plus deep on episode 22 of our pen cast, um, before we got into selling commercially made pens, I was hand making pens out of wood. So, of course, any and every handmade pen that I ever had anything to do with makes sense as heirloom pens for my own children. So that will that's already part of their heirloomage and is happening anyway. So that makes sense to officially say it. Um, The other one that I had literally I didn't type this until Drew was talking at the beginning here talking about the Namiki Chinkin. I appreciate everything you said there, the craftsmanship, the handmade, literally all of it. The reason I didn't include it in honorable mention, for one, it's limited, but the other one is, I don't know how my kids would really feel about it, but maybe they would appreciate it. Um, I really love the lioness and cubs, the theming behind that pen. And it's, I don't know, maybe it's a little twisted, but it's the theme on the pen. So I don't know if you know the whole story of the lioness and cubs, Drew, but if you don't, I'll tell you. No, I thought you were going to say something sentimental, but then you just said twisted. Well, it is. That's it is not sentimental. It's sentimental, but it's maybe a message that's not as popular today as maybe it has been in the past. So, okay. <laughs> I really need to clarify what I'm talking about here. So the whole theme behind the lioness and cubs is it has the lioness who's basically at the top of this, this kind of gorge, right? And she's there looking down on her cubs. Her two cubs are down in the gorge. And the whole story behind it is that the lioness, in order to essentially build resilience of her lion cubs, will throw them down the gorge and have them be forced to climb back up to reach her back to safety. So that's where it's like, okay, that seems a little sick and twisted. Granted, this is these are lions and, and all that kind of stuff. But the whole theme behind it is while you are a parent and you can be there to observe and teach and all that, you allow and encourage your children to go through trials and tribulation in order to give them the resilience, the skills, the abilities, the confidence to overcome hurdles so that as they grow older and you are not there, they will then have that experience and they will then be more self-sufficient, stronger, better, faster themselves in the future. And that's sort of the legacy. So it has a little bit of a heirloom message behind it, 
but it's just not like warm, fuzzy, like butterflies and puppy dogs. It's a little bit of like, hey, here's some hardship. But at the same time, it's hardship with a purpose. You're actually helping your children by, you know, making making things uncomfortable a little bit. And I, I don't know. I do that with my own kids sort of on purpose. Like when I tell people about like when I play board games with my kids, like I do not just let them win. I play board games with my full capabilities and knowledge and capacity. And I tell them like when Ellie was four, she, she wants to win everything. Drew, you know how competitive Ellie is. Oh, I know. She, I don't know where she gets it from, honestly, but (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, But she, she is just ruthless. Um, and so I told her from a very early age, it was like, look, I'm a grown up. I've been playing these games for a very long time. There is a lot that you can learn from watching me play. But if I go easy on you and just let you win, you're not going to learn as much. And then you're going to go out and some other kid's going to beat you and you're going to feel all bad. Like I'm going to beat you in this game for a long time. And it's not going to feel great, but you're going to become a better player. And then you will legitimately beat me one day and you will know that you beat me with my fullest capacity. And that is the reward. So like, I always message it with like a really good, like positive thing, but it's, it's kind of the lioness and cub thing. It's like, yeah. And also let's go into the backyard. I've got a gorge. I want to show you real quick. (laughs) I've not thrown my children down a gorge. (laughs) So I believe me, my it's super cool. Come check it out. I'm letting them eat freaking like pancake sausage corn dogs for that's, dinner. That's like, that's the hard that's the hardship. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna be in therapy one year. Be like, I tell you, we didn't have a lot growing up. Some dinners we just have a microwaved sausage my pancake father, stick. My, my father wouldn't even feed me. He would just force me to scavenge for my own food. Oh man, you no, know why can't I mean, why can't the lioness like go into the gorge with the cubs and then just hop out and say go on and climb up? Why does it have to be thrown like that? That would completely I mean, make the situation a lot better. Like you still get the hardship. Hey, come on, climb up. You can do it. But the throwing them down the gorge part is the demented aspect. Like why can't we just go in together and then see if they can hop out on their own? Like that. That. That's, I don't know. That's, I mean. You're looking at a snapshot. Maybe you're looking at it. Maybe the mother did that. Maybe she. That's just what I'm cl- going to go with. Maybe I'm going to project a, that. Maybe she had just climbed out of the gorge and was like, "Here, here, children, let's come, go with that. come and follow me." There but we go. I don't know. I like that. Yeah. I mean, we we each parent our own children the best way that we know how. There so, we go. There we go. The, so anyway, the, the gorge method. <laughs> the, the, the gorge method. Oh my goodness. There we go. TMI. TMI on the parenting methods of Brian Goulet. But um anyway, I love my kids. I'm actually not that hard on them. But no, I, he's no, he's really not. I've no. seen them running around in the background during meetings. They uh they wreak plenty of havoc, yeah. They they they, they get away with plenty. <laughs> they do. They do. All right. Drew, this has long been awaited now. You We're gonna do leave. it. Oh hey, speaking of <laughs> One of the Goulet children is here. Hello, Ellie. Hi. She Hi. heard you talking about the pancake sausage things. <laughs> <laughs> you like the pancake sausage things? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Camera. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Should I like tilt it down a little bit? Oh, she loves doing rabbit ears all the time. Yeah. Dad yeah. Is pretty tall, huh? I am kind of tall. Like, hey, Ellie, Ellie, how often do you? Uh... Oh, you're, never mind. You're she, can't, she can't hear, hear me. me. That's right. Never mind. Okay. I can relay it. You have a question for Ellie? Here, I want to ask her how many times she's beat you at board games. We were talking about how I don't go easy on board games. How we used to play checkers and it would just go on forever because you wouldn't you wouldn't want me to oh, beat yeah. you. Yeah. I destroyed Joseph 
<laughs> Ruthless. She is naturally very good at board games, like unreasonably oh, so. Yeah, I like that shirt. It matches your eyes. Looks nice. Ellie got her ears pierced. <laughs> That's recent. I don't think she's been on the video since last time since she got her ears pierced. She popped. She, she did a surprise cameo one time. Yeah. Looks nice. I like it. She put yellow earrings in because she went as Rosalina for Halloween. Who's Rosalina? She's from Super Mario Galaxy. Oh, she's like the the other queen lady with the yeah princess. She's in, a princess. The, the galaxy lady. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Super Mario Galaxy. Yeah. Gotcha. She's like a. She sort of looks like Elsa a little bit. Gotcha. Yeah. But is I'm... not affiliated with Disney in any way. Gotcha. Nice. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Clearly, I don't have to fit other people into the frame. I just hit the re- stop on the record. I hit some button when I grabbed the back of the camera to move it up, and I don't know what I pressed. You you, but, you know what I hope happened? I hope that you just lost all your video, so all you have is your audio, and then now you have to go back and dub your audio. <laughs> that would be so amazing. Yes, that would be... You just have to, you just have to, you know, overdub everything and move your mouth perfectly, and you'd look like, you know, a foreign film, and it'll be magical. I've had, I, all right. I've had it on no less than two occasions in the past recorded an entire Q&A with my microphone off and had to re-record it. That was awful. Oh, oh that hurts. And, like, I had, literally just had to, like, oh, looks like I didn't record that. Let me fire it up and do it again, and literally had to do the entire thing immediately again. Mm. Yep. We haven't done that yet on the pencast, thank goodness. Anyway. No. So anyway. We, 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 we did half of it that we had to redo, though. That's true. It was like we were like 20 minutes in. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Maybe it may not have been And we were like, oh, maybe we'll do it shorter. Nope. We did it longer. Um, okay. Anyway, Beautiful. before we had our special visitor in, uh, we were talking about how we've had this long-awaited reveal of our using the Platinum Preppy. Drew, we finally did it. We finally yes. used the Preppy. So I'm expecting just revelations. I mean, we should know everything about this pen at this point, right? Do you, oh, yeah. do you feel re- revel- revelated, revealed, revela- revelationed? What is the what is the active verb for revelation? <laughs> uh, revovulated. Re- oh, okay. Revovulated. Yeah. Drew, share your revovulation with us well i have revolvulated quite a bit these last few weeks so uh, my my it's more or less what i expected i've written with these plenty of times before over the years i will say this is my first time actually writing with one of these that has had most of the printing stricken from the barrel when i first started working here and we had the platinum preppy this thing was covered in japanese and it said preppy big and had a big barcode on it and everything yeah yeah pretty pretty gaudy and that was when clear did not exist so you know there was colors involved as well this much more simple much more sleek i like this a lot better Mm. So I went with the cartridge i did not uh use the converter I, i wanted to experience this in contrast to like a varsity something very very entry level like bare bones entry level so this is what came with the pen the cartridge that came with the pen the pen itself nothing added 
and the uh, I will say the, the the most impressive thing about this pen is the capping, and this thing just does not dry out. I think that the longest I went was five days without using this pen, and that was Friday to Tuesday because I didn't write with it Friday because we had a short day, and then I didn't write with it Monday. I, so and it wrote perfectly. Mm. The, the Platinum really has their capping just buttoned down. Even nice even on a pen tight. this inexpensive, you wouldn't think. Is that reliable? So but... that, that that is a huge plus. If this is going to be a penabling pen, if this is going to be a gift pen, the last thing you want is to be able is to introduce somebody to the fountain pen experience and then have it dry out over you know a, like two days because that's one of the things that people aren't used to. They're used to being if they're a ballpoint or rollerball user, they're used to being able to just pick it up and write when, whenever, not you know pampering and babying their pen and making sure you write with it at least once a day. So that's a big big win for the preppy. And that uh, met my expectations because I knew that these were good. You can actually see the spring in here because it is, in fact, a spring-loaded inner cap. Um, and uh, I will say the nib was a little draggy, not a little toothy, but I, I call it a little draggy hmm. because it wasn't. It kind of I felt like it was providing me a little bit of resistance what, uh, on the what paper. What nib size did you have on this one? Uh, this is a fine. Huh. Okay. Yep. So, but I will also say that this has been my experience with this pen, the, um, the, uh, Placier, the, um, every pen with this nib on it that platinum has available. And I've never really been a big fan of them. It's never been my choice, but that's merely a preference thing. Personally, I, I just don't enjoy the way it feels on paper. Now I will say that they, st- this pen still belongs to, a great family of pens, including the pens I mentioned, uh, and also the um, the uh, what's what's the most recent one? Um, not the Placier, not the Pro, not the Procyon. That's a different nib, but the uh, the one uh, Profonte, 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 yeah, 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 Profonte. Yeah. All the same nib, all the same writing experience mm-hmm. for the most part. It it's an ex- it's a very entry level accessible writing experience hmm. that you can get from a very very reputable fountain pen company this pen and the other pens like it does and accomplishes what it sets out to do it's just not my preference i think that this still goes neck and neck with the varsity in my opinion because i think the writing experience on the varsity is more comfortable for my preferences however the color variety overall aesthetic on the varsity pales in comparison to the mm-hmm. variety you can get with a preppy not only does the preppy come in a wide variety of nib sizes and colors but you can now get the preppy wah which has even more of a variety so as far as a giftable pen i think the preppy still wins regardless of my opinions on how it actually feels on the paper so overall i was happy with it very cool um speaking of the preppy wah that's what i chose to use what? on mine yeah, so, um, yeah, I noticed they have the barcode, and they have all the information and stuff. It's now on a sticker that just pulls off of the pen. So um, I think they made that design change like five years ago. It's been quite a while since they've had the the, the newer, like, clearer barrels and stuff. Um, they used to have, I don't know if you remember, but they used to have the nibs were colored, you know, mm-hmm. so now they're all just plain silver, which I actually kind of like a little better. Um, so I use a fine nib as well. I, I don't know. I feel a little differently than you drew. Maybe it's a difference between our two pens. My nib was actually quite smooth. Like I have found it a very mm. good writing experience. Now, maybe it was the ink. I didn't use the platinum ink that you had in there, but I had a similar approach to you where I was like, 
Part of the appeal of the Preppy is its low price point. When you get the converter, it costs more than the pen. You, it's interesting that you chose to go the route of, let me just stick the cartridge in there, which of course you could use that and then refill it because those cartridges are like friggin' bulletproof, man. They are so thick. You cannot squeeze them. Like no. they are, they're very durable. They will last you a very long time. So if you're going to refill any ink cartridge and use it over and over again, the platinum one is by far the best. Uh, I went the other direction. I went with, let me eyedropper this sucker I could not for the life of me find any O-rings at my house and I had to go on a business trip. So I was like, I guess I'm just going to throw some silicon grease on these threads, ink it up and go jump on a plane. I was like, that should be interesting. So that's exactly what I did. And not only that, I was like, you know what? I'm only going to fill it up like a half to a third because if it's going to do anything, I want it to, like, really do something, you know? I don't want a little... The hubris on this man. If it's going to leak, I want it to really leak. I don't want it to just, My like, God. be a little bit... Um, You know, and I'm always, like, a... I feel like the silicone grease with the O-ring is a little bit of, like, belt and suspenders. You know what I mean? Like, you're kind of doing two things that are accomplishing the same thing, so it's kind of overkill. But at the same time, you really don't want ink leaking all over everything. But, I mean, legitimately, Drew, it was great it was perfect there was nothing i didn't even i didn't even have a nib up i had it in my bag my bag was laying down so it was like you know half the thing was just air you know i i had two legs on each of my flights so i went up and down four times on this trip that i went on with this pen and nothing not a leak not even nothing nothing in nothing in the cap nothing in the cap not even a spritz not even a little hint not even like way up in the top nothing nothing i was almost disappointed but that's just and this is not the first time you've flown with pens in an attempt to get them to no, leak I've, because regardless of how many times you've said yeah. it we still get so many questions about flying with fountain pens it is such a monstrously large fountain pen myth and it, it just refuses to die it was more of an issue with sack filling pens or like really really large piston filling pens but i mean this is not an insignificant volume in here you know it's maybe mil and a half two mil something like that volume at least and it was halfway filled, so there was a good amount of air in there. So if there was going to be any air pressure differential, surely would have happened, but nothing. It was just perfect. Now, when I traveled, just in case, I put it in like a little plastic bag, and I did my little Robert Oster Blue Water Eyes. hey Love that ink. So the ink was just a kind of a conventional ink, if not a wet writing ink, wet flowing ink. So I was like, maybe it's a wet ink. It'll like leak out of the pen more. I don't know. I was trying to get it to do something really exciting. But it didn't do anything exciting. I guess unless you consider not leaking being exciting, which I think is what most people would consider exciting. But um, no, nothing like that. But, um, you know, even after all that flying and stuff, when I went to write with it, I had I, I, I wrote like one little part and it was dry. So I stopped. I mean, I wrote like a couple millimeters in length and it was a little bit dry. I picked it up again, wrote again, and it started flowing immediately. So I don't think that was really anything... I mean, if that's the worst of it from the flights, then okay. That's terrific. But yeah, I mean, it's not even so. Like, even even just the silicone grease. Like, I put a I put a healthy amount of silicone grease on there, but it's not like it was gooping out of the thing. And I have ink going up like maybe to the second thread. 
And then I have silicone grease going up on like three or four more threads, no ink even touching that. So honestly, I would feel safe enough given this experience, I would feel safe enough throwing this in my pocket and just running around town. Like, you know, I wouldn't, but <laughs> I probably could if you dared me. Um, so it just was remarkably held up well and wrote really great. The fine nib to me was great. And I'm, I'm with you. I love the varsity, but it's medium nib only. It's a little bit broad for when you're writing on something like, you know, a dot grid thing. That's like a five millimeter, but the preppy fine is kind of perfect for that. So honestly, this is a really good pen to have. And I, I went, I traveled, I was at a like work retreat conference type thing. And this was a great pen to have with me because I was like, well, if it gets lost or broken or stolen or TSA confiscates it or whatever, who cares? Like it's very replaceable. And, uh, so it was kind of perfect for that. It was a huge volume of ink. So I had no concerns whatsoever of running out of ink, even though I was taking notes, the entire retreat didn't even, I didn't even need to bring the bottle of ink. Honestly, I had this, and then I had a Twisby 580 ALR Prussian blue, sorry, Navy, not Prussian blue, the Navy, and I used this one like crazy too. And it used like maybe like 10% of the volume of ink. Like ink just lasts so long, especially when you're, you know, writing on decent paper. Uh, so between these two pens, I could probably write for a month and not have to refill these things. It just, it really just lasts so long. Um, so, you know, the preppy was cool to write with the, the Twisby one shows a little nicer. So like when I go on like a work retreat type thing. And I have other people, especially these were other e-commerce like business people when they want, they're like, Oh, fountain pens. And they want like part of the nice thing about being in the fountain pen business is I can show people, I can be like, Oh, fountain pens. You remember the thing with the body of pen of ink and you can see, and there's like a demonstrator pen. You can literally show them what you're talking about mm-hmm. with a preppy. It's just a lot to kind of explain. You're like, what the heck are these clouds on here? And you're like, well, this is like a special <laughs> edition kind of thing. And you know, okay, well, eyedropper converted it. What the heck does that mean? Well, you know, silicone grease. Right. And you're like, they're like, no, forget it. Fountain pens are too complicated. And you're like, no, right. this is just like a deep dive. It's really cheap, but it's, you know, rewarding. No. Twisby is like a great pen to carry around because people understand the concept. It looks real appealing. They write with it. It writes nice and people get it. So Twisby is like my go-to people that don't use fountain pens, but need to understand what they are. Give them a good impression. Twisby. Um, but anyway, so yeah. That was my experience. Very positive. Picking the preppy back up. I'm I'm pro 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 preppy. I'm pro preppy. And you don't need O-rings apparently. Sorry about my lighting that's varying to massive degrees. I have a lot of natural light in this room, and I'm just noticing like whenever oh. whenever clouds go by, it's like drastically swinging my white balance. I've I've noticed. I've noticed <laughs> there have been like because I, I whenever I do thumbnails for our YouTube videos, I just pick a random screenshot yeah. of us like, and it just change back. Did you see that? Right. Oh yeah. No. And then I'm like, I'm like scrolling to find a, you know, somewhat entertaining screenshot. And it's just like, you see it flickering as I'm like scrubbing through the video because of your lighting. And then I'm like, Oh, this one looks good, except it's like pitch black on Brian's screen. I I have a light right here. (laughs) I have an actual light, but I have the windows open because it's nice. And yeah, no, it's all good. This is what what we got right now. Yep. Take what you get. All right. So Brian, what pen should we use next week? I don't know. I think it should be dealer's choice. I don't think we should try and use the same pen. I think we should just go with whatever the heck we feel like using. Okay, well, I know what I'm using. What are you going to use? Do you want to say? I'm going to use the E. I'm going to use the E95s. Oh, okay. With Noodler's 
Nightshade. Okay, okay. I kind of want to ink up that Winter Breath Tachio. There you I go. Think I might do that. Sounds like a mint flavor. <laughs> winter Breath. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> winter Green. The Winter Green. All right, cool. So let's do that. Let's. Save that for next time. All right. What's happening in our personal lives? Oh, man. I'm really sweating now. It was so oh, much man. colder. Something, some... So much colder when we started this pencast, and I like threw on a sweatshirt, and now I'm really <laughs> warm. Sorry, go ahead. So it was Halloween last weekend, and I have been working since August to make a Halloween costume for my son. He wanted to be Nova, who is a Marvel superhero, and I made a costume <laughs> over the course of a couple months using foam floor mats, mm-hmm. tiles, floor tile mats. Uh, lots of contact cement, lots of uh, worn down uh, blades, lots of hot glue, spray paint, just a lot of everything, a lot of emotions as well. But uh, <laughs> it got done. It lights up. I wired stuff. It was Whoa. epic. I was super excited about that. So that was awesome. And then also kind of like, okay, well, that's over now. That you know, it's, it's just like for one night, and then. Mm. But he'll be able to play with it and stuff. But, And then also, I was not shaving for the month of October so that uh, when I got my Doctor Strange costume for Halloween, I had that nice kind of Doctor Strange uh, Van Dyke, I think is what it's called. It's kind of like the uh, just mouth beard. Um, so four days away from Halloween, this costume is still in China. And I get an update saying delayed. So I was like, oh, crap. Well, anyway, this thing is itching. I'm going to get rid of it now because there's no way with all of the delays, all of the things in the world, that this one random Halloween costume is somehow going to make it out of delay status from China to my home in the United States in four days for Halloween. Lo and behold, in three days, it shows up. (laughs) After me suffering through that just terribly itchy face fuzz for a month and not even being able to have anything good come out of it so i mean you have a you have a nice nice looking beard in the getting to use a fountain pen for the first time video that we published earlier this week (laughs) i'm gonna do it again next year because this costume is like this is just gonna be the thing i wear for halloween or any sort of dress-up event because it was expensive and it looks awesome and that's just gonna be that it's just gonna be like costume needed okay i am dr strange did you still wear the costume like did you did you wear that for halloween yeah after having to do some sewing like a lot of sewing um uh the cape came with a safety pin and it's a big cape i don't know if you've ever seen dr strange but he has this big Mm. billowy cape with big collar Mm -hmm. on it and it was a heavy duty cape man and it came with a safety pin one and i'm like it's got two things how do i attach this thing so i went to a fabric store i bought these little hook things i sewed them here that didn't work i tried velcro that didn't work and i sold them in a different place that didn't work so the third place i sewed these little hooks kind of worked so that in addition to velcro seemed to make it okay i'm gonna need to do something next year but it was a stressful weekend as far as costumes were concerned however however brian i had some really good soup last night good it was just soup it was a nice so good soup i wanted to talk about this specifically because it was (laughs) a very it was it was like life-changing soup sell me sell me on the soup i need all right all right 
Well, it's not about the soup. It's it's about everything. How, what, right? So what? Get, yesterday, okay. What, All right, what nonsense on. are you yesterday, talking about? I had some really you, good soup, but it's not about the soup. <laughs> hold on, hold on. About? You the remember spoon was amazing. You remember what the weather incredible. was like yesterday, right? What was the weather like yesterday? It was it was cold and rainy. Cold, rainy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I come home in this cold and rainy. It's dark too. It's getting dark early. Yep. Dark, and Shannon has chicken and wild rice soup on the stove just a bubbling mm. and this was one of those meals that just like gave my arms chill bumps and mm. it was just like it's like a it was like it was like you, you know that 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 kid the snowman kid from that 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 yeah, it's like a campbell soup commercial yeah yes that they've been airing yeah. for like a thousand yeah. years i i felt like that kid it was like the perfect soup moment. Yeah, the kid like walks where... in as a snowman, starts drinking the soup, and the snow melts away yeah. as a kid. Yeah. Now, I wasn't that cold, obviously, but it was just the perfect soup environment. And it just, I, I literally went on Instagram and just asked, is soup the perfect food? And it wasn't a poll. It was just a yes or no answer. And so people couldn't get it wrong because mm. it is the perfect food. Wow. That's a, that's that's a that. strong stance. I tell you, man, I, would eat, I could eat soup for every meal. I don't know if I would do that personally i like texture i like i like i would miss chewing i would miss crunching and chewing you can chew soup i mean if i'm gonna have a soup i want a soup that you have to chew i want i like a lot of stuff in my <laughs> yeah. i like a lot of stuff in my things i like really chunky <laughs> soups i like ice cream like ben and jerry's type ice cream that just got gobs of stuff in it you know i nice. like stuff i like stuff in my things <laughs> yeah you can quote me on that that's a good quote me on that's that. a good quote yeah so yeah i would say that overall life is good for drew brown the soup moment last night was uh, a highlight okay. of uh 2021 all right wow you have you have very simple pleasures in your life drew i really do yeah. i really do that's wonderful i i admire that i admire <laughs> that um yeah so likewise trick-or-treating did that with the kids it was fun we don't live in a neighborhood where anything happens, so we don't go trick-or-treating down our neighborhood, but my kids have friends that live in larger neighborhoods, so they go trick-or-treating, and they get a reasonable return on their investment of time, and so they, they had a good time. Ellie, I already mentioned, was, what's her name, Rosalina? Rosalina. Joseph. So he, like everything in his world, is Minecraft. So he had one of those like inflatable costumes, you know, it has like a little fan on it and it like inflates. So it nice. was like the the pig, like the Minecraft pig. Yeah, I've seen so that. like he was like the pig back legs and then the front of the pig was like coming off his waist. So it was like he was like riding the pig. So he had like legs coming off the side of him. Gotcha. So gotcha. he was walking around as the pig's hind legs but it looked like he was riding a Minecraft pig. It was pretty funny. Nice. It got some good reactions. And it's Minecraft related. So he had a blast. Um, Rachel and I went as parents. And I brought a lot of flashlights because I remembered last year I went, didn't have flashlights. One of the other dads brought flashlights and I was like, next year, I will be the dad with the flashlights. <laughs> but I don't have like a lot of these little flashlights. Okay. So the flashlights that I brought were like the 2500 lumen like the ones that i work outdoors when i'm like you know shoveling stone and stuff like that like it's like light up the neighborhood type flashlights so i was walking around like friggin you know name a superhero that shines a lot of light i would say one here if i knew of one you could name the you could name nova the superhero that archer Heyo. was for halloween because 
he was our flashlight because <laughs> I wired that costume very, very aggressively. Nice. Well, there you go. Like he was, he was, he was, he was inconveniencing people with the brightness <laughs> of that. That's fantastic. He was inconveniencing people. It was, a, it was intrusive. It was obnoxiously custom lit it was. costume. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Yep. It was bright, but we no one needed a flashlight in our group because yep. he just led the there way. You go. Like Rudolph. There you go. That's that's. Uh, I I was in a similar fashion. Um, yeah, and then of course last week I was gone. I've alluded to this a million times already, um, but I went on a work retreat. So it was um, it was a small retreat. I have not traveled for work since COVID hit. You know, and so. I'm a person that likes being around other people, especially other business people. It's something that rejuvenates me. So I've kind of been missing that for a while, of course, with COVID and all this stuff. I was still kind of like sketchy about traveling in just the current state of the way things are right now, but it was like a super closed environment. So I felt safe going. And honestly, it just, it was just awesome. It just gave me a refreshed perspective. It just gave me a new appreciation. These were all e-commerce, you know, business owner, founder people. So just very similarly like crazy kind of out there way Mm -hmm. too many ideas and you know all over the place kind of thing like me um so i was just among my own kin uh and it just you know it was really cool to just talk about you know with people that don't really know our company so well and our the pen community and all that just to get to explain all that to other people who run their own businesses and just like what it is to do what we do and experience you know, people that will sit here and watch a video this long on Ben's and nonsense, like most other even successful companies don't have that. And so it just like gave me a new appreciation for the pen community, the products we have, the, just what I get to do every day really revitalized me quite a bit from like a, just like a ethereal standpoint. But then I also came away with just some very like good tactical things for like how to do some better things with sharing our content and just understanding, you know, how to better produce things. So I, I hope to come away with some, some more effective things there as well. So overall it was a very, very good experience. Really glad I took that time. Um, and, uh, it was the first time I was away from the family, like to any measure <laughs> in almost two years, which I miss them tremendously, but I also travel like really, really well. So I went to California, which is three hours behind where we are here. I mean, I literally like I woke up at 545 in the morning here on Monday last week, flew to California, was up until basically midnight California time. So I was up all, you know, like 22 hours or something like that. Went to sleep, woke up the next day, no jet lag, just went and just went at it. And then same thing on the way coming back. I got back at like midnight our time here. Woke up the next day, drove the kids into school. Had a great day. So I don't know. I just travel really easy. Thank goodness. As long as you as long as you don't have to sleep on the plane. Yeah, that doesn't always work. <laughs> You've traveled with me before when that hasn't worked well. That was that was rough. That was rough. That was rough. Yeah. I won't recap that whole experience, but that trip that we went you were basically so you and I went to tour Aurora Monograppa that trip over there was the most dramatic travel experience that I've ever had. Like each part of the story there was in and of itself a dramatic you, story, and let alone yeah, I, I, sl- I slept. You were up for about like 40 hours. Yeah, I really was because we were supposed to sleep on the plane overnight and then arrive in the morning in Italy and do a full day. I got like maybe 30 minutes of sleep. What are you going to do? Anyway, um, and then... The other notable thing that we did, so you know I'm into Rubik's Cubes and puzzles and things like that. My mom is super into 2D puzzles, but I basically don't have like any 2D puzzles. And, you know, my kids have like 
little kid ones that were like 50 piece and 100 piece and all that. So I was just like at Target and I was looking and I was like, you know, I'd kind of like to get like just like a grown up puzzle, you know, or whatever, whatever you consider that to be. So I was like, oh, a thousand piece puzzle. They had one that was all Lego minifigure like faces. And I was like, oh, this is fun. So I bought it. The kids love Legos, all that kind of stuff. I was like, oh, we can do all this together. So, you know, Ellie gets excited. She's like, oh, cool, Lego. So she takes the whole thing, like dumps it out. We start sorting pieces and all that at our kitchen table. This was two weeks ago. And we start sorting it. And I realize as this thing is unfolding, wait a minute, these are all Lego minifigure faces. When they're all in a thousand pieces, every piece looks the same freaking color and shape and everything. Like, this is actually a really hard puzzle. Like, all the differences are so subtle. So we, no joke, we finished this like one night ago. We have been working on this puzzle, like as a family, chipping away at it. It has been taking up like where we eat. So we've had to like squeeze on like the other end of the kitchen table because we can't move it because of just the way the puzzle was. We basically had to like look at the picture of the puzzle and then figure out like, okay, this one has a pair of glasses. Well, I know it's going to go right about here. So we like had the pieces like laid out, but not connected, like in, in kind of the grid, the shape of the puzzle. So we couldn't move the whole thing. So this thing has been taking over our table for the last two weeks. And I was like, wow, in retrospect, this was a, this was a pretty deep dive into puzzle making here, but we got it done. Finally. The whole family feels very excited and rewarded <sighs> as a result. But in, in retrospect, I was like, this, this was, this was kind of a lot. <laughs> wow. It was kind of a lot. But yeah, I mean, when, when it came to the end, like every piece that had any distinguishable feature on it had been used. So we were left with like a hundred pieces of just like parts of eyebrows and like stuff like this. And we we're like, okay, this eyebrow is like slightly lower or whatever. <laughs> it was my kids were so funny with oh their comments. God. Ellie was like, we should sort them all by color because they're all yellow. Oh and Joseph gosh. was like, all, all we're left with is a bunch of random eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, yeah, yeah, we really are. This is ridiculous. So oh, anyway, man. kind of an impulsive thing. But now it's like a fun family member would be like, remember the time we made that puzzle and it took over the thing for two weeks? And, you know, I like went on my trip and they couldn't move the puzzle. <laughs> it was like a whole thing. Oh, my goodness. But we got it done. So that was fun. Um, nice. All right, let's move on to company updates. We'll make this kind of quick. Um, we had a, a virtual costume contest, so we're still kind of working on a hybrid approach at Goulet Pens, um, but we had everybody take pictures of their Halloween costumes, and we had two categories. We had the grown-up category and the children category. Our very own Drew Brown, with his hard work and effort, won the children category with his son's Nova costume. And then we had our um, photographers that dressed up like um, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley from Step Brothers with the sweaters and everything. It was pretty hilarious. Um, so that was pretty fun. Um, we're also doing a canned food drive, which is kind of cool. Not like publicly. Y'all keep your canned food and give it to your local shelters and stuff. But um, <laughs> we're doing one locally at our office. So just a way to help feed some of the, um, some of the folks that need some food in our local area. Um, and then just in general, like our team is doing well. We're all in good spirits. We are handling things day to day, but we are still seeing just a lot of disruption, a lot of personal family challenges, illnesses, these things. We're running into flu season, all this kind of stuff. 
Um, so it's going to be really important for us to pace ourselves this holidays and uh, just all the all the supply chain issues and all of the, you know, staffing issues that you're hearing about in the news and talking to people and experiencing in your own workplace. We're experiencing all that, too. You know, I just spent a week with e-commerce, other e-commerce people. We're all experiencing these similar things. So, you know, like with Fountain Pen Day, we're not doing like big, crazy sales and stuff because literally we just we can't we can't fulfill, you know, any promises that we would not, make not, on that front, you know? Yeah, not not comfortably and not without the expense yeah. of things we're not willing yeah. to sacrifice. So we've said for weeks that we would just try to keep things smooth and stable, and that's exactly that's exactly what we're trying to do. So there we go. Those are our company updates for this week. All right, so as we wrap up here, Drew, what have you got on your desk? What are you playing with right now? Um, I'm playing with a couple things. I've got this... Uh, some some Galen leather random stuff. Hmm. I've got like this notebook holder here. It's just kind of like a flap that opens up, and you can put a A five okay. journal in like here. A leather, like a we cover, tra- like a cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't traditionally just carried simple um, notebook covers. Uh, it just kind of wraps up and mm-hmm. tightens. So it's never been like a definitively yes, people want this thing really bad, but it's here. We'll talk about it later okay. in a meeting. But um, if anybody out there has you know a burning need mm. for just something that your notebook can fit in, uh, let me know. It's it, d- it does have a pen holder attached to it um, that uh, does have a bit of elastic, so it's got some give. But yeah, I just don't know uh, don't know what the demand is for something like this. Yeah. As far as, like it doesn't there doesn't provide any additional storage apart from that one pen mm. loop. It just is supposed to um, make your notebook look a little more exciting or protect it. Uh, but you know, it's not going to be cheap. I mean, it, it's it's handmade leather, so it's it's going to be probably you know a little bit costly. But I haven't gotten super in depth. I'm just kind of playing around with it. Okay. I'll put some notebooks in there, see how it goes. And then uh, we got some samples of some uh, greeting cards. I'm going to play around with just to see if uh, fountain pen friendly greeting cards exist and can be a thing so yeah. haven't really gotten started on that yet okay. but you know if there's more information available if that goes anywhere i'll let people know but for now it's kind of just a i'm gonna see if it can be a thing to see about maybe one day talk about if if we can talk about it maybe yeah. one day maybe. this is where we find ourselves <laughs> yeah this is where we find ourselves sometimes we get asked about some of these things and we're like well there's not like one clear like front runner for this thing yeah so we get in random samples, we try these things out, and we have to kind of vet them a little bit. So that's exactly what Drew's doing yep. here. And both of these things that you're talking about here, these are things that we've been getting asked about basically since we started the company that we've never really been able to nail down and figure out what's the best thing to offer. Like people want greeting cards, but we've never really found good, reliable greeting cards that are fountain pen friendly and have good designs and all these things that are reasonably priced. Yeah. You know, so we haven't found a good source. We haven't, with the notebook covers like, everybody wants like such specific things that we've never found anything that's met enough of everybody's needs to make sense to offer like a really regular product. Like we even have the Galen, like the A5, you know, uh, the folio, folio, which has the extra storage and some of that stuff, you know, so that's a thing, but not everybody likes the zipper or whatever. It doesn't fit this, that, or it's too big or bulky. It doesn't, you know, there's so many different like things when it comes to notebooks specifically they're like really what everybody wants is a custom notebook that is mass produced and and inexpensive that's also like handmade leather so it's like uh these they're not things that exist so you know we keep looking but i don't know we'll see i'm curious curious how you how you think of it when you play with it yeah let us know yeah there we go that's what we got for you this week 
Thank you so much for watching. Please leave us some feedback about how we are doing. Ask us some questions so that we can answer more of them on the show here. You can just ask them in the comments, or if you're listening in the audio form, you can email us at pencast at gulepens.com. Definitely subscribe to our YouTube, Instagram, Pinterest, why not? All the places where we post things and do things. Um, Yeah, I failed to uh, pull a random fun fact, Drew. Didn't get to the end of the notes here. I don't have anything super. Well, you talked to us about the lion cub. I did, but that was in the middle of the gorge. I've got my tab pulled up here with a bunch of random fall facts. Since this is the first pencast in November, the word November is from the Latin novem, meaning nine. November was originally the ninth month of the Roman calendar, which began in March. So if you ever wonder, like, why is, you know, October, oct is 10. You know, November or, or November. Yeah, no, oct. No, wait, oct is eight. eight. Sorry, blah, blah. eight. Sept. September. Seven. Eight. Oct. November. December. Twelve. You know. So there you go. Or no, December ten. Blah. <laughs> I can't, can't get my numbers straight. But either way, Roman calendar started in March. So that's that's why. I don't know why we didn't like change it to make more sense when we said that January was the first month and just you know. Whatever. Here we are. But that's why. November means nine. But it's the 11th month. That's what we're going to end on. Thanks, everybody. Be sure to come back next week for episode number 23. We will see you then. Until then, have a great week and right on. All right. Hopefully, the first part of my recording is on the card. (laughs)